The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Yoma has been dedicated in memory of Mazal Bat Esther Baghdadi and Yosef Ben Mazal Baghdadi by their family. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated by North Fork Bank and its private banking department with Gabriel Safti. Hashem Ishmedehu Bihayehu. We would like to thank North Fork Bank and urge our listeners to patronize this generous financial institution. On a uh, private note, we'd like to thank Mr. Gabriel Safti for his continued support for all our programs here at uh, Daf Yomi, Torah Learning Resources, and the Torah Center. Today's Daf has been dedicated in memory of Yosef Ben Mazal and Shalom Rafael Ben Mazal. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Daf Ayin Aleph. <coughs> Today's daf is being studied Le'ainu Nishmat Avraham Ben Esther Ruach Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden Amen We begin today's daf On Ayin Amud Bet Two lines from the bottom Tanu Rabbanan We have a Braita Pasuk says Uva Aharon El Oel Mu'ed during the service, the Seder Avodah of Kippur, it says that when Aharon is still wearing his white garments, Uba Aharon el oil mu'id. And Aharon will go into <coughs> oil mu'id. But the Pasuk does not really tell me what service does he do in oil mu'id. Now, this oil mu'id is a reference to the Kodesh Kodashim. Now, we know he went into the Kodesh Kodashim in order to put the Ketorit in. But this Pasuk over here tells us he goes into the Kodesh Kodashim and it doesn't tell us what he's doing. The Ketorah Pasuk we have already. So what, what else is he doing in the Kodesh Kodashim? So the Gemara says, Lama <clears> Huba. <throat> what is he going in? So the Gemara says, Lehotzi et So he's actually going in a second time in order to take out the Kaf and the Mahta. That would be the ladle. And the shovel that had in it the ketoret. Which means, all of the parasha in the haremot, that's giving you the seder avodah, it's all written in chronological order, as the events happened, except for this pasuk. Meaning, <coughs> in parashat haremot, when it's listing the order of the avodah of Yom Kippurim, Everything is in order of sequence except this pasuk. Why? Because the Gemara is going to tell us that really the pasuk writes, Aaron or the Kohen Gadol went in, brought the Ketoret into the Kodesh Kodashim, and then immediately it says he took it out. Now we know that there was something in between in bringing it in and taking it out. So that pasuk of... Uh, that we just read, Uba Aaron el Oil Mu'ed, it's not in sequence. There's something really in between it. What's in between it? What it says later on that he brings Elo the El Ha'am. He brings his ram and the ram of the nation. Now, 
The question is, why would the Torah, or how do we know, let's put it that way, that it's out of order? Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's written in order. Who, who told you? Maybe, really, he puts on his big delavan once, puts the ketoret in, after it smokes, takes it out, and then puts on the big delavan, and continues the day. The Gemara is going to say, can't be. Because we have a tradition, that the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur went to the Megveh five times, and did Kiddush Yadayim V'raglayim ten times. That means he changed his clothes five times during the day. Each changing of the clothes was one Megveh and two Kiddush Yadayim V'raglayims. Now, if you're going to say that the Pesukim are written in order, that means he woke up in the morning, he wore his Big Day Zahav for the Korban Tamid Shel Shahar. Then he puts on his Big Day Lavan, and he does all the service, including taking out the mahta. Then he does everything else in his Begdeh Lavan. I'm sorry, Begdeh Zahav. That's only three changes. That means it would be three mikvaot and six kiddush adayim v'raglayim. So you have to say that there was something in between, meaning he wore his Begdeh Zahav, Tamish Shoshad. He wore his Begdeh Lavan, bringing the ketoret inside. Then he went back into his Begdeh Zahav, did the ayil and some other services, then put back the Begdeh Lavan, and went back in and took out the Mahta, and then put the Begdeh Zahab back on, in order to bring the Tamichel Ben Arbayim. So the Gemara is learning that you have to say it's not in sequence, because otherwise you're not going to have the, um, the uh, proper amount of Tevilot and Kiddush Adam which we know from Halakham Hashem is a certain number. It's 5 and 10. So the Gemara says, My Tama, what's the reason? How do you know for sure that this is written out of order? Amarat Chazda Gemiri. We have a tradition. Chamesh Tevilot, Asara Kiddushin Tovel Kohen Gadol Umikadesh Bobayom. The Amarat Kisidran Ketiben, if you're going to say that the Torah was written in order, Lo Mashka Atla Ela Shalosh. You're only going to have the Kohen Gadol changing his clothes three times, and therefore you're not going to have the proper amount of Tibilot and Kedushin. Mm-hmm. Okay? So comes the Gemaran says, Matkif la Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Zera raises a question. Vidilma mafsikle bisa'ir Which means, granted, you want to tell me that you need extra, another time of changing of the clothes to get to the number. But maybe I could tell you, everything that's written in Parashat HaRemot is really written in order. But what? There's something else that separates between the uh, putting in the Ketoret and taking out the Ketoret. And what is that? Nothing that's written in HaRemot. But something that's written in Parashat Pinihas. One of the korbanot of Parashat Pinehas of the korban Musaf. One of the korbanot of the Musaf was a sa'ir lahatat. So therefore the Gemara is saying, why don't you plug in the sa'ir lahatat in between from when he puts in the ketoret, then let him change to the gold, uh, bring the sa'ir lahatat, go back to the white, take out the ketoret, and then bring elo ve'elahan, meaning keep acharemot in sequence, just put something for Parashat Pinehas in between in order to get the uh, the right amount. So that Gemara says, Amar Abaye, Amar Kera, V'yatsa ve'asa et olato. Mi'yitsi'a rishona avid elo ve'elam. 
the Pasuk says that after he wears the white begadim, the first time, the Pasuk says, Viyatsa, he goes out, meaning he goes out to do the service, not that's the inner service, he goes to the outer service, he doesn't leave the Bet HaMikdash, he just goes out, of, let's say the Kodesh, Kodeshim service uh, items, and now he goes to bring his Ola. Now what is the Kohen's Ola? The Ayil, Ayil Ola. So therefore you can't tell me that it's split with the Hatat, because the Pasuk says the first thing he does when he changes his clothes, he brings an Ola, and the Ola is the so you're forced to say that the ayil divides between the first time he wears the begadim, and the second time. And therefore you have to say it's out of order. Because the pasuk puts the ayil only after he takes out the ketoret. And that cannot be. And don't tell me it's the hatat in between, because the pasuk clearly says, so therefore we have to say what? That the pasuk of the ayil is out of order. It really should have been written before, the Torah just wrote the entire Ketoret procedure, right? Which is a logical thing. You have to explain why it was not write it out of order. Some well, write it in order. Mm-hmm. You see, the Torah finishes a procedure till its conclusion. And therefore, it spoke about the Ketoret. You take it in, you take it out. But not to say that that's exactly when you do it. You do it with something else uh, in between. Okay? Now, the Kabbalah says... Rabah is a different approach. He says, listen, I agree it's written out of order. But I don't agree from the reason that you brought. You want to prove it because we have there's a certain amount of tibilot, so it has to be that there's something in between in order to make him change his clothes again. I learn it much simpler. The pisukim themselves imply that there was something in between. Why? Because Amar Kirat, the Pasuk says, regarding the Big Day Lavan, Ufashat, it Big Day Habad. It says, he takes off the linen clothes, the white Begadim. She'en Talmud Domar Asher Lavash. The Pasuk doesn't have to say that he was wearing, because the Pasuk says, Ufashat, it Big Day Habad, Asher Lavash. That he wore. Wasn't well, that obvious? Klum Adam Poshet Ela Mashilovesh. You know, a person usually takes off what he's wearing. You don't have to tell me he takes off the clothes that he's wearing. Ela... <laughs> so what is the word <laughs> that he wore? What does that imply? <laughs> that he wore them once before. And therefore that proves to us on the Pesukim that he must wear the Big Lavan twice. Which means what? He must put the Big Lavan in to take in the Ketoret. Something separates in between that he puts on Big Zahab, which we're learning now is the Ayil. That he puts back... The Bigdel Lavan. And that's what it says. He takes off the Bigdel Asher Lavash that he had worn previously. So Ravad says, I, I straight, straight Pesukim. You know, I, don't, I don't have to come out. I'll come with Sinai's and all this other stuff. I can learn from the Pesukim themselves. Oh, so therefore Ravad also agrees that the Pesukim are out of order. But, meaning the Ayil that's written later is really supposed to be before. Tarat Gemaraz is Matkif La Ravaba Rav Shila. Again, same question. Who told you, Rabbah, that it's the ayil that separates? Maybe keep everything in the Hanemot in sequence and just plug in the sa'id that's written in Parashat Pinehas. Plug it in between. Right? It says, which means we know that it has to be an ola in between, and that's the ayil. And then we have to say it is out of order. Okay. Now there's a very uh, interesting 
Gaon <coughs> Bevilna over here that's worthy to be spoken out. The Gaon asks a question. He says like this Why did the Torah write these things out of order? Which is the Torah could have written in an order. I mean, why why do you have to say put the let's later, it's really done in between? So the Gaon says a fantastic Hadush. He says like this We know that the Kohen Gadol only would enter the Kodesh Kodashim once a year on Kippur. And when the Kohen Gadol enters on Kippur, he has to enter only following the service that clearly is written in Parashat Aharemot. However, he says that Aharon Kohen, Aharon specifically, he was able to enter the Kodesh Kodashim whenever he wanted. But what? The Pasuk says, Bezot Yavo Aharon El Kodesh. If Aaron wants to go into the Kodesh, he has to bring Parven Bakale Hatat, the Ayil Ola. He has to bring, do the service of Kippur. Which means he can't just walk in. He's got, in the middle of the year, Aaron wants to walk in, he's got to do the service of Kippur. Bezot Yavu Aaron Kodesh. But the Gaon says, one thing he doesn't have to do. He doesn't need specifically five Tevilot and ten Kiddush Adayim Viraglayims. That's a Kippur item. So therefore the Pasuk is really written in order for Aharon. Because all he has to do is wear the Big Day Zahab, when he brings the Qurban Ola in the morning, then he puts on his Big Day Levat, and he can fulfill the complete Sedra Avodah, including taking out the Ketoret, then he puts on the Big Day Zahab and brings the Ayil, and then he's done, he can walk into the Kodesh Kodashim. So the Pasuk is really written in sequence for Aharon Kohen during the year. But for regular Kohen, during Kippur, that's already when this Gemara is analyzed. So the Pesukim do fit in in its way, uh, in a certain uh, application. Comes the Gemara continues. Dechola parashah kula neemra ala seder? Gemara says, what do you mean? Are the rest of the parashahs written in order? Meaning the only thing you told me is out of order is the ayil. The ayil which is written later, you really have to put it before to separate in the big day lavan. That's it? Everything else is in order? Why? What's the question? We have more Pesukim in that parasha. One Pesuk says, Right? This is referring to over here, the burning of the uh, par, and the burning of the sa'id on the mizbeah. We call it imure chatat. Right? They took the innards of the par and the sa'id, and they burnt it on the mizbeah. So again, And then, the subsequent Pesukim, it says, That's actually referring to, That's talking about that we burnt the rest of the animal outside of Yerushalayim. So if we're going to go now in the order that the Pesukim are written, it's mashma that you brought the uh, Korban first, and then you burnt the rest of the animal outside Yerushalayim. Mm-hmm. Okay? That can't be. That's not the proper order. How do we know? Because we learned in our Mishnah, the fellow that's watching the Kohen Gadol read the Sefer Torah and the Bet HaMikdash on Kippur, 
He's not going to be able to be in two places at the same time. And therefore he's not going to be able to see the Kohen burning the pot in the Sa'ir outside of Yerushalayim. That was the last Mishnah that we learned. Right? If you're in the Beit HaMikdash, you're seeing the Kohen read the Sefer Torah. Or you're outside Yerushalayim, seeing him burn, or seeing a Kohen burn the, uh, the uh, Korbanot. You can't be in both places. That was the Mishnah's terminology. Oh, But if you remember the Seder of the day, the Korban itself was not brought until the third stage of when he was wearing his Big Zahav again. Which means, the, if we remember the system, we said the Kohen Gadot was able to read the Sefer Torah even in his white Begadim. He could keep the white on. That means at the time that he's reading the Sefer, there's somebody else outside Yerushalayim burning the uh, animals. Very good. And then what does it say? After that was done, he dons his Big Zahav. And what does he do? He brings the Imurim. That means the burning came before the Qurban. And in our Pesukim, it's written the opposite. So therefore, you're telling me the only thing that's out of order is the ayil? What do you mean? These pesukim are also out of order. The Gemara says, pasuk va'ilach," which means starting from actually it's pasuk 23, chat gimal, when they uh, remove the mahta uh, from the kodesh kodashim from that pasuk on. Everything's out of order. But geez, that's not the only thing that's out of order, but there's other things as well. So comes again what Ad says, Umay hazit de mishabeshit kira'eh shabish matnita. Which means, if you have a choice and you want to uh, change the pesukim or change the mishnah, Better to change the Mishnah to make it, let's say, out of order and keep the Torah in order. Meaning like this. Your question was from the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, oh, at the time that he's listening to the Torah, he's not going to be able to see them burn the the, the animal outside Yerushalayim. Change that Mishnah and say, instead of burning the animal, you're not going to be able to see them bring the Qurban, let's say, on the Mizbayas, which means instead of changing the Pesukim to make them out of order, keep the Pesukim in order and play around with the Mishnah to make the Mishnah fit with the Pesukim instead of saying that the Mishnah is correct and the Pesukim are out of order. Mm-hmm. So the Gemara says, Amar Abayeh, we have no choice, Abayeh says. We have to say these Pesukim are out of order. Why? Amar Kira, because the Pesukim say, uh, if you want to get the uh, Pesukim over here The Pesukim actually are at the end of the Perasha They're in uh, Pasuk Chaf Vav okay, We started with Pasuk Chaf Gimal right, Now we're at Pasuk Chaf Vav It talks about the Hamshalayah The one that sent the Korban Ta'azazel, Yechabes Begadav, we learned his Tum'ah, he has to clean his clothes and all that stuff. And then it also says, the Asorif, and the one that burns the animal outside Yerushalayim, he also has to wash his clothes. He also becomes Tamir. Okay, now, obviously, 
at this point, when it talks about the Mishalayah, the Sa'id of Azazel is not happening at this point. The Sa'id of Azazel happened much earlier. So the Gemara is going to say, just like the Mishalayah that's written now, must have been before they brought the Imurim on the Mizmayah, so to the Soref must have also been before they brought the Imurim on the Mizmayah. Which means the Pesukim have to be uh, out of order. We'd rather say the Pesukim out of order because we have a Dirash. The Torah is juxtaposing the and the Soref outside Yerushalayim. Now we know in Pasuk Chavav, when it talks about the Mishalayah, it's not happening at that point. This is an item that the Torah is rehashing that happened already way before that. It happened before even they brought the Imurim on the Mizbayah. Because the Sa'il, if you remember, is during the Sidra Abudah. Right? The Imurim don't go on the Mizbayah until. Bigdezaab until until section three of the uh, of the Sederayom when he puts on his Bigdezaab. So we know when it talks about the Shalat, it means before the Imurim. So too when it says Hasoref, it also must be talked before the Imurim. So as the Gemara says, Ma Mishalayadmiyikara. Just like the word when it talks about the Mishalay means something that happened previously. Avsoref demiyikara. So to the Soref must be talking about it happened previously. So again, what's the purpose of this Gemara? The Gemara is just trying to show you, you have to say Piskimat order over here. You have to say that what? That the Soref happened before the bringing of the Emurim. So comes the Gemara says, Atrapa. What do you mean? I, I can argue. I can tell you like this. Ma Soref Dehashta, Ab Mishalech Dehashta. Maybe learn it the other way. Maybe say the Soref that the Torah happens at that point. And just like the Soref happens at that point after the Imurim, I'll tell you the Mishalaya also happens after the Imurim. Just who told you to compare uh, Soref to the Mishalaya? Maybe compare Mishalaya to the Soref, and I'll tell you, just like the Soref maybe is now, when it talks about it, so to the Mishalaya is now, and if we have no proof, maybe I'll tell you that all these things are done really. After the Emurim, at least those Pesukim are written in order. Well, who told you to put them out of order? Did you want to tell me that's out of order? Mm-hmm. Who told you it's out of order? Maybe it's in order. Maybe in the Chinami. Maybe the Soref was done after the Emurim, as well as the Mishraveh was done after the Emurim were put on the Mishraveh. Who told you that's, that's Mi'ikara? So to that the Gemara says, no. The word Hamshalayah. What does the word Hamshaliyah mean? The one that sent. It's like past tense. So the, I mean, this happened already. It cannot be happening in the presence. If it was happening in the presence, the Pasuk would say, Vishilah. And he should send. So therefore, from the fact that Pasuk used the word Hamshaliyah, must be referring to something that happened before. And there's not a problem because we can understand the style of the Torah of First, the Torah tells us they sent it off the mountain, uh, you know, in the earlier Pasukim. Then after the whole subject is finished, it's going back to one of the laws. So you should know, by the way, the guy that sent it off the mat, his clothes become tameh after the ascending. So it was just finishing up a subject that really happened earlier. Oh, so just like the Mishalayah happened before, so the Surah happened before. So again, you have to say that this whole Pirasha from after the Ketoret is already out of order. The, the, the aisle really came in between. When it talks about the Mishalayah, the Mishalayah really is referring to before Imurim, 
as well as the Sinifa is also referring to before. The Pesukim are not in sequence. Good. Alternate interpretation. Ravamad. And all Ravah's trying to prove of is that we have to say that the uh, sending of the Sa'il Azazel happened before the Imurim. Happened before they brought the Imurim on the Mizbaya. So the Gemara says, Ravamad. Amar Kiraf. The Pasuk says regarding the Sa'il Azazel, Ya Omad Hai. It's got to stand alive. At Matayi Zakuk La'amod Hai. How long is that going to stay alive? Ad Sha'at Kapara. Until atonement was received. The Ematai Sha'at Kapara. When is Kapara accomplished? Bish'at Matan Damim. Once the blood of the Hatta'ot are sprinkled, Kapara is done. The Tula. And you don't have to keep it alive anymore. So therefore, right after the sprinkling of the blood, you do what? Sa'ir La'azazil. That's before you brought the Emurim of the Mizbayah. Which is, he's learning Ya'umad Hai until Kapara. What's his Kapara? Throw it off the mountain. So if you're forced to say that what? That the Sa'il Azazel <coughs> happens before the uh, Imurim. Now even though, if you look at the Pesukim, it puts the Imurim first, and then it puts the Serifat Hapara, and then, uh, so therefore it's really... Out of order. And that's what I was telling you. The order really was, Sa'id was done uh, first. And then they would actually take the items outside Yerushalayim and burn them. And then they would actually take the Imurim and put them on the Mizbaya. So basically, like we said, the Perasha is not written in sequence. Comes the Gemara and continues. <clears throat> New point. Now the Gemara discusses the day after Kippur, Motzei Kippur. Atem Mishalayah, the guy that was the Mishalayah, the guy that sent the Sa'ir off the mountain. He comes, Mitzao Bashuk the Kohen Gadol. If he finds the Kohen Gadol the next day walking in the marketplace, Omer Lo, he tells him, Ishi Kohen Gadol, my master Kohen Gadol. We have done your shilihut. We have done your... Uh, uh, we've been a loyal messenger. But if he finds the Kohen Gadol in his house, Omer lo, he tells him, The God that is the one that gives life to the living, We have done his... Shiri'ut. So that she says, what's the difference? Why when you see him in the market, you're saying to the Kohen Gadol, we did your messenger, we were your messenger, and you see him in the house, you say we did God's uh, messenger. So look at Rashi. You want to give the Kohen Gadol kavod in front of the people. We did your Shiri'ut, as if you're giving him the credit. But in his house, you don't have to worry about his kavod, so you can say it, that we did the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, uh, it, should be, uh, it should be noted that uh, the Mefarshim comment over here, the Me'idi, 
He says, "Dehainu kederich kol shaliyah shomel lemishalecho shagashash nihoto." This is a kind of derech eretz. Somebody sends you on a mission. The derech eretz is you come back to him after you finished and say, "Mission accomplished." So therefore, when you see the kohen gadol the next day, it's proper etiquette to go to him and say, "Listen, uh, I executed the shalichut." Now, the maharsha he has a question over. He says, "What does it mean? Really, he's the messenger of God." So what does that mean? When you see him in the marketplace, so you give the credit to the uh, Kohen Gadol. So the Maharsha wants to say, It's not kavod to mention a reference to Hashem in the marketplace. So therefore, yeah, even, even though he's saying he's not saying one of the Shemot, <coughs> so therefore it's, it's out of respect, Takadosh Baruch but you don't mention God's name, you're passing in the marketplace, therefore only in the house was more sanua, let's say, so that would be more uh, proper. Uh, the has a question over here. When he sees the Kohen Gadol, he tells him, Asinu He says it in plural. Well, the Ish'iti is really only one man. So why does he say Asinu? So he quotes over here from the Torah Menachem that... We have a principle, Shiluho Shil Adam Kimoto. That the messenger uh, of, a, of a person is considered like him. He's an extension of the person that sends him. So therefore it's considered as if not only he did it, the Ishwaiti, but the Kohen Gadol did it. So therefore he's coming and say, Asinu, which is we're partners. We you sent me to go do it and I did it, therefore it's as if we both did it. So therefore hence the Lashon Asinu. Now the Mehaye Hayim. Bashi learned the words Mechayim is referring to Kadosh Baruch Hu, that gives life to living beings. Um, the Rabbeinu Eliakim writes that Mechayim is a reference to the Kohen Gadol. Because uh, since the Kohen Gadol and Kippur prays for us that we should have a good year and live, so therefore they're telling the Kohen Gadol, even in his house, Mechayim, they're talking to him, you! The one that's given us life, Asinu Shlichoto. We have done the Shlichot of Agadus Baruch Hu. So it's a question if the Mechayahim is going on Hashem or it's going on the Kohen Gadol himself. In any event, the Gemara continues. Gemara says, Amar Rabbah, Ki Miftereh Rabbanan Mehadadeh. When the rabbis would leave each other in the yeshiva, Bepumpedita and Pumpedita, Amre Hachem. So they would bless each other before they would leave. They would say, Mehayahayim, the one that gives life, Yeten lecha hayim arukim vetobim umtukanim. The one that gives life to the living should give you a long life, a good life, and metukan, it should be, it should be proper. Now the Pasuk says, Etalek lefne Hashem be'artsot hayim. And as she says, once already we're talking about good life, so that the Gemara is going to be Doresh Pasuk in Tehillim. David Amalek says, Italek Lefna Hashem, I will walk in front of Hashem, Barzot Hayim, in the land of the living. Amar of Yehuda, Zemakom Shevakim. David Amalek was praying that she, he should always be close to the markets. What does that mean? That she says, Zemakom Shevakim, Sheadam Motzel Liknot Mizonotav. You're always close to the markets, means you're always close to a place where you could buy provisions, food. 
always traveling from place to place, running from his enemies. He said, please God, bring me to the places where there's life. Meaning always I should be next to a market, where I should be able to buy food and have sustenance. Comes the Gemara and continues. Ki orich yamim, ushnot chayim v'shalom yosifu, lach. Pasuk says in Mishle, <coughs> that what? That God will add years of life and peace to you. So the Gemara says, shnot chayim, v'chi yesh shanim shel chayim, v'yesh shanim she'enem shel chayim. What do you mean? Years automatically imply living years. But the person says, Shinot Hayim, living years. Is there such a thing as living years and non living years? Amar Abir Azar, Elu Shinotav Shil Adam, Hamitapechot Alab Mirara Litoba. says, Yes, if you have that Manana person that was going through a hard time, he was going through, let's say, poverty, those years of poverty are not considered Shinot Hayim. They're like years, but years of not life. But when the cycle of the world turns on him, and now he becomes wealthy, so those shenot lo hayim turn into shenot hayim. Now already it's life again. So David HaMelech was saying in the Pasuk, ki orichim ushtot hayim, that the years he should have is life years, which means he should be successful those years. That she says, three lines on the bottom, Mishaya ani biyalduto, somebody that was poor in his youth, v'naasa ashir, he became wealthy in his old age. Looks like he's, he got his life now. From death. <coughs> Comes the Gemara and continues quoting another Pasuk from Mishle. Alechem Ishim Ekra. Shalom Amalek says, Alechem, to you, Ishim Ekra. I will call you Ishim. Now, Shlomo does not call these people Anashim, which would mean men. Ishim is like plural for Isha. So therefore, Shlomo is referring to certain people as women. So the Gemara says, This is referring to the Tamideh Achamim, Shedomin Lenashim. They're similar to ladies. In what sense does she says, and They're very humble and modest, and they usually lack physical strength. So therefore, in general, when he refers to the Hakamim, he refers to them as ladies, meaning in strength. However, they are seen Giburah But they have the Giburah, the strength, like the men. Which means when it comes to the learning... When it comes to the learning, then already you see their power. Then already you see their gibura. You see them wage the war of Torah. Then already you see their energy come out. And some explain the gibura referring to over here is their self-control. That physically they might not have the strength. But when it comes to resisting temptation, that's already you see true gibura. When it's referring to the Tabidah Hakamim, it calls them Ishim. Ishim is like a Qurban Ishe, like a sacrifice. So, what do Tabidah Hakamim have to, are they compared to a sacrifice? So it says, yes. If a person wants to get credit for pouring wine 
on the Mizbeach, meaning fulfilling the Mizbeach, Nisuka Ya'in, Yemane Geronam Shel Tamidei Ha'chamim Ya'in. Give the Tamidei Ha'chamim wine, and let them drink it, and you'll get credit as if you'll put wine in the Mizbeach. Mishim Shalomot saying, the Ha'chamim are like the Isheh, they're like the Epire, they're like the Mizbeach. Then when you give them uh, something to drink, it's as if you pour the wine on the Mizbeach. Shleiman Alechem Ishim Ekra. Rashi says, Lashon, Ya'in Ishim, Lashon Korban Isheh. Let's ask you on the daf. Now, continues. V'amara b'rachiyayim ro'eh Adam, if a person sees Shetorah poseket mizar'o, he sees that Hat Shalom, his children, are not learning Torah, meaning the Torah is somehow stopping in his descendants. So how does he turn the uh, turn the tide? How does he turn the uh, situation around? Let him marry a Tamid Hakam. That is two interpretations over here. Either right, either the father he wants Tamid Hakamim. So let him get married to a second wife. Who's a bad Talmud Hakam? Who's the daughter of a Talmud Hakam? And Talmud Torah is contagious. Since already she's the daughter of a Talmud Hakam, in her uh, being, she saw Talmud Torah. She saw learning in her father's house, and therefore it'll affect the children that will come from her. Since if a person wants to have children, a Talmud Hakamim, you say bad Talmud Hakam, and then already that uh, it'll, it'll come out in, in the children. Others explain that it's talking to the child himself. That child, he fell out of the learning. So try to marry him off to a daughter of a Tamid Hakam. And again, her goodness that she was exposed to Torah, that'll influence the son and it'll bring him back to studying. Now the Gemara learns this from Pesukim. Shene Pasuk in Iyov. Im Yazkin Shorsho. Let's say the roots in the ground became aged. Yamut and the geza, the trunk of the tree, died. That's referring to, let's say, the child that uh, stopped learning Torah. So what does it say? Meriah ma'im. Let him smell water. Yifriah ve'asa katsir kemonata. And then already it'll flourish and produce a tree. What does it mean, let him smell water? Let him be attached to somebody that was connected to Torah. That's the Batamid Hakam. The Bat Tamir Hakam doesn't have Torah because she's a lady, but she has the smell of Torah. She has Maria Hamayim. She has the, the fragrance of Maya because she was raised in a house. So that's the solution. If the, if the trees are dying, Maria Hamayim. Get somebody that smelled the water and connect it, and the tree will continue to exist. Now we learned in the Mishnah, right? He used to make a party, the Kohen Gadol, for his friends when he used to come out of the Kodesh Kodashim. So he said a machlokin. Either he made the party motzeik he put at night, or he did it the uh, following uh, day when he was able to prepare. Tanu Rabbanan, Maaseh bekohen gadol lechad sheyasam bet hamikdash. There was a story on Yom Kippur. Kohen gadol came out of the bet hamikdash. Vavu azlekul alam lebatre, and all the people were escorting him. Kevan dehazenu leshemayav avtalion. When the people saw the great Tamidah Hamim Shemayan Avtalion, they were also walking. Shavku they left the Kohen Gadol, the Azle Batar Shemayab Avtalion. And they went to follow Shemayab Avtalion. Now it seems the Kohen Gadol got offended. That they all left him and they went to Shemayan Avtalion. Al does say that they were right. 
is greater than a Kohen Gadol Amaris. So therefore, that were regular Tamid Achamim, so therefore their, the Kavod that they get afforded is even higher than a Kohen Gadol. So the people went and they started escorting him. They saw at the end, out of respect, when Shemayav were about to, I guess, leave, so they went to the Kohen Gadol just to, you know, bid him farewell, kavot, uh, you know, to, to bid him farewell. So, so the Kohen Gadol tells Shemayav Le'shlam, let the children of the nations go in peace. Now this was a dig. Because Shemayan of Tanyon descended from converts. Some say they descended from converts. Say some say they themselves were converts. So the Kohen Gadol said, "Yeah, let uh, you know, let the converts go in peace. Let let the sons of the nations of the world go in peace." So Shemayan of Tanyon answered the Kohen Gadol back, Yes." We will go in peace. We being the sons of the nations of the world will go in peace. The Avdin Uvda the Aaron. Because we're following the tradition of Aaron. Aaron was a man of peace. But you, you're the son of Aaron, you will not go in peace. Because you're not following in the footsteps of your forefather Aaron. Because Aaron was a man of peace and you are needling us. And you're transgressing the issue of not to know each which means you're not allowed to cause uh, harmful words to your friend. He says, we're not from the children of Aaron. We're from Bnei Amimim, but we'll go in peace because we're adopting the principles of Aaron. And you, you're the children of Aaron. You won't go in peace because you have abandoned the way of Aaron because you are causing distress in your words. And as she points out over here, from here you learn that when you see a convert, you can't go to him and say, oh yeah, remember, yeah, your father was this and that. You cannot remind him of their past. Comes the next Mishnah. Kohen Gadol Meshamesh Bishmona Kelim. Okay, the Kohen Gadol on Kippur, or for that matter, all year, not only Kippur, all year long, he would wear eight garments. Vahidyot Barbaa. And the Kohen Idiot wears four. So now the uh, Mishnah is going to list them. Number one, Kutonet. Kutonet literally means the tunic. Okay? They were made out of checkered linen. Okay? They had uh, tight fitting sleeves and they reached almost to the heel or to the floor. That was the Ketonet of the Regular Kohen. Umichnasayim. Literally, Michnasayim is uh, breaches. So they were the same. The Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Ejot had the same Michnasayim. They were also linen, wore from the waist, and they went to the knees. Then you had Misnefet. Now, the Misnefet was worn also by the uh, Kohen Ejot. This was also made out of linen. Now, it should be noted that in the Torah, when the Torah talks about the headgear of a regular Kohen, it's called the Migba'at. When it refers to the hat of the Kohen Gadol, it calls it a Mitznefet. And here, the Mishnah is calling the headgear of a Kohen Idiot Mitznefet. The Mephashim answer to that, 
Lashon Torah Lechud, Lashon Chachamim Lechud. The Mishnah has its own vernacular. And therefore in Mishnah vernacular, Misnefet refers to the hat of the Kohen Hidyot. The Torah has a difference. Mikba'at, Misnefet, Lashon Mishnah, the word Misnefet can be used even for the hat of the Kohen Hidyot. That would be his... Um, is turban. It should be pointed out there was a major difference between the hat of the Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Hidyot. The Kohen Hidyot's hat was bigger than the Kohen Gadol's hat. Why is that so? Because you have to remember the Kohen Gadol, he wore a seat around his forehead. And therefore, really in the place of the Tefillin. Plus Tefillin. So therefore the hat could not cover the entire head. You had to save some room for the seats. Whereas the Kohen Hidyot did not wear the seats. So therefore he was able to cover more of his head. Now the fourth garment of the Kohen Hidyot was indeed the Avnit. Okay? Now, uh, we know that there was a major difference uh, between, let's say, the belt of the Kohen Gadol of Kippur to the Kohen Hidyot all year round. The Kohen Gadol's belt on Kippur was just linen, there was no wool. Whereas the Kohen Hidyot's belt all year long actually had a mixture of wool and linen. It was a uh, mixture of Sha'atnez. It was actually Techelet Argaman and Tola'at Shani. Techelet would be the uh, sky-colored wool. Argaman is a purple-colored wool. And uh, Tola'at Shani is uh, uh, from a certain worm. That was the Tola'at that they colored the uh, wool as well. Okay, so that, that's the discussion of the four garments of the Kohen Hidyot. Let's review them again. That's the Ketonet, the Mechnasayim, the Misnefet, and the Avnet. Musif Alaf Kohen Gadol, the added vestments of the Kohen Gadol were the Hoshin. Okay, now the Hoshin literally was the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol, which was made out of linen again. Techelet, Argaman, and Tola'at Shani. And it was made in a way where there was folds, in order that you could stick what was called the Urim V'tumim in between the folds. The Urim V'tumim was actually one of the names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that would be stuck in between the creases or the folds of the Oshin, of the breastplate, and that would cause the stones that were on the breastplate to uh, shine up and light up in order to give the, uh, the Kohen Gadol advice and answers to his questions. Then you had the ephod. Okay, literally the ephod is a uh, like an apron-like garment that also was made out of gold, linen, and three types of wool. And it would cover the queen goes back from below his elbow to his heels. And uh, it covered his, uh, his uh, whole back. Okay, that's the ephod. Then you have the me'il, uh, literally the robe. Okay, now the robe was also all made out of one garment. The robe is all techelet. It's all made out of the blue wool. Uh, it was a four-cornered garment without sleeves. And it had a hole in the middle to which the Kohen Gadol would put his head. Of course, uh, at the end of the me'il, you had the bells, the fringes that were hanging on the bottom of it, and the pomegranates that went across. According to Rashi, they went in sequence. Pa'amon, rimon, pa'amon, rimon. One bell followed by a woolen pomegranate, etc. Then you have the seats, of course, which is the headband of gold with the Shem Hashem on it that the Kohen Gadol wore on his forehead. Okay, so those are the eight Begadim of the Kohen Gadol. Be'elu nish'alim be'urim betumim. 
The Kohen Gadol, when they would ask the Urim Vitumim, those are the stones that would light up. They call them Urim because they light up. Or, and Tumim because they're conclusive. Uh, tam, meaning it's complete. Their answer are, uh, there's a conclusive answer. They would only ask the Kohen Gadol these questions when he was wearing the eight Begadim. He had to be wearing all eight Begadim. Ve'en nishalim ela lemelech. Not anybody can ask the Kohen Gadol the question. You have to be somebody that uh, is important. For example, the king of Israel can take consultation. Ul Abedin, that would be the head of the court. Ul Misha Sibur Sarikbo. Or let's say, for somebody that uh, is involved in the public needs, so he also is allowed to uh, ask the questions. For example, the Kohen Mashiach Melchamah, the Kohen that goes out to war, so he has to know, are they going to be successful or not? So he also can ask questions to the Kohen Gadol. We have a Braita. Devarim Shene'emar Ba'em Shesh In the Torah When the Torah uses by the garments of the Kohanim The word Shesh, which we interpret to mean linen The Gemara says a rule Chutan Kaful Shisha It's uh, strings, it's uh, threads They're woven sixfold now, depending on how many uh, uh, different types of uh, threads you have, but it's done sixfold. The word shish. Now, even though we know the word shish means six, but in the Torah's context, shish means linen. But they tell you it can also mean the word the number six. Moshzar, whenever the Torah uses the word moshzar, without the word shish. Now, the only time that it uses that is actually by the pomegranates of the Kohen. Uh, the me'il of the Kohen Gadol right he had the uh, pomegranates that are hanging from the uh, the hem so it says the word of them Moshzar whatever it says Moshzar Shemona it's eightfold me'il the me'il itself which is actually just made out of tekelet Shenem Asar it's twelvefold parochet the parochet which would mean the curtain Eslim Barbara is twenty-fourfold Hoshen which is the breastplate, the ephod, the apron, esrim ushmona, is 28-fold. Now the Gemara is going to uh, explain. Chutan kaful shisha minala. Let's go first to the first one. It says the word shish. How do you know it actually means that its threads are six-fold? The Amar Kerak, we have a pasuk. Vayasu ketonet shish. Vetamisnefet, shesh. Vetpaarea mikbaot, shesh. Vet miknesea bad, shesh mozar. Now, when it's referring to the bigadim over here, it says, the ketoret, which is the tunic, is shesh. The misnefet is shesh. That's the hat. Paarea mikbaot, the glorious hats, shesh. Miknesea bad, the pants. Shesh, and then it says the word Mozar. Now the word Shesh is written in this Pasuk five times. The Pasuk could have just written, Vayasu et ketoret, vetamisnefet, vetparam mikbaot, vetmagzeabad, Shesh. Why did I have to say the word Shesh after each one? So it's extra. Good? Five times Shesh in that Pasuk. Couldn't have just written it once? Say all the garments and just say all these items are made out of Shesh, out of linen. Why did it say it five times? So the Gemara says, Hamisha kira'e ketive. 
Had negufe dechitna nehve. One, you need it for itself. I'll teach you the slinen. So the, the, one shesh is necessary. Behad shiyehutan kaful shisha. The second one teaches me, don't learn shesh to mean linen. Learn it to be the number. That what? Six, sixfold. Start three more. Behad shiyu shizurin. That when you make the sixfold, you have to sh- uh, make it shazur. Shazur is to twine them, to spin them. Shizurin. Behad. <laughs> and the fourth one is teaching me that all other begadim, that it doesn't say the word shesh by them, also has to be sixfold. Behad le'akev. I want to tell me that this item of sixfold is me'akev. Remember we had a law that said that when the Torah says something once, it's for the mitzvah. But when it repeats it over and over again, it comes and tells me that it's mandatory. And therefore, the fact that it says shesh five times, it comes and tells me that indeed this item of six-fold strings is ma'akev. <coughs> now, the Gemara says, This is a question now. How do you know the word shesh? When the Torah says the word shesh, it means linen. Kitna. How do you know that? Amar biyosim and biharina de amar kera bad. Because the Torah, when it refers to the garments of the Kohen that were made out of linen, it calls them bigde bad. Now what is bad? Bad is linen. Why is bad linen? The way the linen or the flax grows, they grow in separate stalks from the ground. Not like a tree that has a trunk and has many branches. So they call linen bad. Because it grows in separate stalks. Now, that being said, we know that the Kohen's garments are made out of bad. And the Torah says shesh. So the shesh must mean bad, meaning shesh must mean linen as well. The Gemara's hold it. Ve'ema amra. Maybe it's referring to wool, because wool also grows separately. And the follicles of the animal, of the sheep, every follicle produces one, one hair. So that's also growing separately. Gemara's no amra ifsule mifsela. If you take the hair of the... Uh, of the sheep, you can split the hair into two. And therefore it's really two hairs growing in one follicle. So that's not bad. Flax, linen, you can also split it into two. That's only after you beat it. You have to beat the linen to make it split. However, the wool automatically is split. So therefore, the word bad is linen because it grows separately, individually, and we know that the Kohen's clothes were made out of bad, right? Big day bad, and we know shesh is the same thing, therefore shesh must also mean linen. Ravina says, no, you know where we know that the word uh, shesh means linen? From the following pasuk in the book of Yahazkir. Pare pishtin yeyu al rosham. Hats made out of flax will be on their heads. And the Quran will wear flax pants. 
So what do you see over here? We know that the garments are made out of flax. And the Torah calls them shesh. So shesh must mean flax. So Yahuskel gave us the answer. Before Yahuskel came, how did you know it? Which means when the Torah wrote shesh, it's before Yahuskel. According to your reasoning, According to what Rafa Chazdas said, The following Hadush we did not learn from the Torah Moshe, but we learned it from Yahuskel ben Buzi, the Prophet. Yahuskel said, Anybody that's not circumcised, means somebody that's not a goy, somebody that is, his actions are foreign from God, which is he's not performing the mitzvot. For example, what is he doing? He did not circumcise himself. So a person that does not circumcise himself is not allowed to go into the Bet HaMikdash. Nowhere in the Torah does it say a person that's uncircumcised cannot go into Bet HaMikdash. How do we know that deen of an uncircumcised person from Yahuskel? So the Gemara says, Before Yahuskel came and told us this Hadush, how do we know it? And you have to say, we have a tradition, And Yahuskel just documented so we knew it before from tradition so I can say the same thing regarding the word shesh we had a tradition that the word shesh is linen and Yahuskel came along and just gave me a uh, a remis in the pesukim right, so therefore Yahuskel is not the source Yahuskel is only a remis after the fact that we knew it already from tradition now, Moshzar, whenever it says the word Moshzar, Shemona, it means it's eightfold, the string is eightfold. That's the only time it says the word Moshzar really, alone, is by the pomegranates, the limonim of the Kohen Gadol's Me'il. Now, how do you know it's eight? Minala, Dikhtib, Vayarasu al-Sholeham Me'il, on the fringes of the Me'il, you would make pomegranates made out of techelet, that's the blue wool. Argaman, that's the purple. Betolachani. Tolachani, that's from the worm. So you have three uh, threads, right? Techelet, argaman, tolachani, moshzar. Vialif, moshzar, moshzar, meparochet. And we make a gezerah shavah. Because it says the word moshzar also by the curtains. Malalan, eslim, barbara. Afghan, eslim, barbara. Now by the curtains, it says shesh. Now we know shesh is sixfold. And by the parochet, there were four threads. So each thread had to be sixfold. So altogether you had how much? Twenty-four threads. Good? By the parochet. Six times four. By the, and it says mozar. Oh, and it says mozar by the pomegranates. So it also has to be twenty-four. But there's only three threads. So it must be eight. Eight, eight, and eight. So that's how we know Mozar means eight. Comes the Gemara and says, Each one must be eight by the pomegranates. Wait, it says the word Mozar also by the Hoshin and the Ephod. And therefore maybe it's twenty-eight. Understand which means who told you that the word Mozar is uh, 24? Because you're learning it from the Parochet. Maybe the word Mozar is, or actually Mozar is 8, but it's 8 times 3, which gets you 24. Maybe you compare it to the Hoshin and the 
Ephod, there are 28. So the Gemara says, Danin davash shlon emar bo zahav, medavash shlon emar bo zahav. We can't compare items that are similar. By the me'il, there's no zahav. As well as the parochet, there's no zahav. Mashi'ikin, the choshin has zahav in it. So therefore, we don't want to compare things that don't say the word zahav to things that say zahav. Good? So therefore, it makes more sense to compare pomegranates to the parochet. Right? Items that do not have zahav. On the contrary, it's more logical to learn a garment from a garment. The pomegranates are part of the garment. Correct? Hoshen is a garment. Ephod is a garment. Ohel, I'm sorry, the parochet is not a garment. The parochet is a, is a curtain. So they give us on the contrary, it makes more sense to learn garment to garment. So they give us, okay, now what? Don't learn it not from the parochet and not from the hoshet and the ephod. Learn the law of Mozart from somewhere else. Ela danin me'avnit. Learn it from the belt. Now again, the belt had three uh, uh, threads. And it says shesh. Okay? I'm sorry, four threads. Four threads, six in each one, that's 24. Ah, it has 24. Then the pomegranates that have three threads, you have to have the same 24, must be eight each. So from there you learn, Mojad is eight. From where? Avnit. Now you have a benefit. Because Avnit is a garment. So you're learning garment from garment. And it also does not say Zahab. So therefore it's perfect. That's the Gebrahim. Vedanin Beged. Vedavash Tonemar Bo Zahab. Very good. So that's the first answer. How do you know the word Mozar is? Eight. Rab Mori Amar. Rab Mori has a different answer. Ta'asinu ketiv. When it comes to the Hoshin and the Ephod, it says, you shall make them. Meaning, Ta'asinu lazevelo lachayat. Only the Hoshin and Ephod have 28 strings. Nothing else. So that's how you know you don't learn it from the Hoshin and the Ephod. Another reason why you don't learn the, the Monim from the Hoshin and the Ephod. Ta'asin, only those have 28, nothing else. So therefore you have to learn it from somewhere else. By the pomegranates it says, and you shall make. Now the word Ba'asita, the Gemara says it shavot. That all these threads should be equal. Meaning the spinning of the threads of each one have to be equal. Now how can they be equal? Now if you're going to go make them 28, is 28 divisible by 3 to make it equal? Which is if you're going to go after the Hoshan and the Ephod. I tell you that after 28 strings, how could you make 3 strings equal in spinning them if you have to come out to the number 28? What are you going to do? Na'vit lata da asara, asara. If you're going to make 3 strings 10 each, Havulu Taltin, it's 30, it's not 28. Mm-hmm. So make two nines, right? Tishah, Behad Aslam, one ten. You'll get the right number, 28, but it's not equal. So the only way to keep the three strings equal is to say that what? That you have to learn that each one is eight. 
And therefore, Moshav must be an 8. 8, 8, 8 is 24. So basically, we have three answers. How do you know the word Moshav is 8? Either you're learning straight from the Avnit. How come you don't learn from the Hoshin and the Ephod? No, because we know those are the only ones. It says, by the Hoshin and the Ephod, the Pasuk is Ta'asinu. They're the only ones that are 28. So therefore, 28 is not an option by the Rimunim. Third answer, you have to say that you don't learn from the Hoshin and the Ephod, because the Pasuk says by the Rimunim, the Asita, that all the strings have to be equal. The only way to make them equal is if it's 8, 8, 8. Meaning you learn from the, uh, the Abdet. If you're going to learn from the Hoshin and the Ephod, which is 28, you cannot make them all equal. You can't make it 10, 10, 10, nor can you make it 9, 9, and 10. Therefore, you, bottom of the Gemara is proving you, you can't learn from the Hoshin and the Ephod. You must learn from the Avnet. And the Avnet had how many strings? Avnet had four strings, four different materials. And it says the word Shesh by the Avnet. And therefore, we know what? Six, uh, there's 24 strings, and only has three strings by the, uh, by the, uh, the Monim, therefore it's gotta be eight, that's Mozart, teaches you 24, Baruch Allah,